Well, welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast here at jconline.com through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen with you, uh, covering Purdue football, Purdue basketball. Sam King, our our, our high school expert and also uh, fill-in Purdue guy because, as Grover Washington said many years ago, it's just the two of us. <laughs> so, Sam, Sam's uh, joining the podcast today. We're going to talk Purdue basketball, Purdue football, kind of it's two games for basketball. Football's off on the open week uh, before their final two games. Uh, so J- Sam has been uh, gracious enough uh, to to join us today. But I do have a football question for you. Football question? Is this yeah. high school related? No, it's uh, college related. Ohio State is favored, open. The line Ohio State at Rutgers opened at 50 and a half. Okay? That means Ohio State's favored by right. 50 and a half. So if you wanted to bet Ohio State, you got to make sure they win by 51. So what's the highest number you would take to bet Ohio State? Like, what's the what's the cap? I'm not going to bet Ohio State if they're favored by 100? Oh. Or is there another number there? Uh, 15 and a half is a lot. That's, it is. That's it's, the biggest I've ever seen for a, a conference game <laughs> between power schools. Um, well, sure. you got to use the, the word power lightly there with when it comes to Rutgers. But uh, everybody saw what Ohio State just did, and uh, – you figure they they're capable of doing that again against Rutgers. I think I would take Ohio State there, but I mean, if but what's got, the what's if the it number? got to 60, 60, you know, you always get those games where somebody scores late, and you know, I've seen a lot of bad bets because of a late touchdown that that people probably lost a lot of money on. I, I think sixty this week would be the line that I would probably draw it at. So anything under sixty, you're betting Ohio State. Yes, if I just gave you money to go bet, or you had your own money. I don't have my own money. But if you give me money to bet, I would bet Ohio State. Well, you'd bet it at any number if I gave you money because it's not your money. But I start with this game that Rutgers will not score. They just won't. Okay. And Ohio State can only take so many players to the game because it's a road game. Right. You're limited, I think, in the 70s. I think that's the travel travel roster size now. So even if they play their second and third team guys – they're going to have to play those guys a lot. Yes. Because that's all they have. And those guys are better than Rutgers starters. Right. And the fact that Ohio State scored 73 on Maryland leads you to believe that they'll probably get in the 70s against Rutgers. Just think if this game was at Ohio State, what would be the line? <laughs> yeah, you'd add you had a touchdown at least. You had three more points because home field advantage? No. <laughs> Anyway, that, that's that's the most interesting thing going on in the Big Ten this week, other than Minnesota, like, kicking everybody's butt. Yeah, kicking butt is maybe, you know, they're winning the games. They're 9-0. and Yes, they're winning the games, you have which to is be what a, you're supposed to do. You have to be a believer in P.J. Fleck now. You just cannot, you cannot, you can't deny it anymore. Last week I said, I'm still not sure about this Minnesota team. Then they beat Penn State, and now, yeah, they they have to be taken seriously. Yeah, I mean, they have Iowa, Northwestern, and uh, Wisconsin to close out the season. I mean, two, two tough games. Two really tough games. Uh, I don't know if they'll go undefeated, but you got to – I'm not a fan of P.J. Fleck, but he's getting it done. So it's good for him and, you know, in a way good for the Big Ten. We'll talk more football in a little bit, but we want to start with basketball. Uh, you covered the uh, men's game on Saturday night as I was up in Northwestern. Covering the football game, I did listen to the second half of the game. 
driving back. Uh, but um, it, it just seemed like there was a lot of Purdue would get up four or five, and then like in a matter of seconds, the game would be tied. And then Purdue would go up by three, and then all of a sudden it'd be tied, or Texas would go up one. But I want to start at the end. Purdue has a, what, 62-57 lead. Yeah, Five-point lead with two minutes left, thereabouts. Two minutes or three minutes? Probably uh, three minutes, I think, according to the score sheet. Anyway, three minutes, two or three minutes to go. You know, and you're thinking, okay, they just got to close it out. They got to take care of the ball, hit some shots. But what, what happened in those final two and a half minutes or so where they were not able to close this game out? Well, they uh, first of all, Purdue does not have a Carson Edwards. They don't have a go-to guy that you know, we've got a score here, get the ball to this guy and let him create a, a play, get to the basket, and uh, right now they're searching for that. Like, kind well, But of, I thought mm-hmm. we all anointed Jihad Proctor as that guy after one game. After one game. <laughs> Jihad had a good second <laughs> half again, but uh, when it came down to crunch time, it was no gel and it was Eric Hunter that were the guys with the ball in their hand and, and trying to create – uh, what happened was Purdue could not hang on to the ball. They had three empty possessions. One was a moving screen on Matt Harms where Aaron Wheeler's coming around and uh, presumably going to get an open look at a three. And the other two were just balls that they didn't catch and they went out of bounds and uh, they couldn't afford to do that. And then Matt Coleman on, on Texas, he was dominant scoring-wise in the first half coming off of screens and hitting shots. That created... Uh, opportunities for other guys late where they didn't want him taking the shot. So he, he made two nice passes and got a guy an open dunk, got another guy an open three in the corner. And uh, from there, Purdue had to foul and hope they missed free throws. And, and Texas didn't. And Purdue put itself behind the eight ball. Still had a chance to tie the game with, I think, 20 seconds to go. And Eric Hunter goes to the basket and, you know, he, he was aggressive. He put the shot up. It just didn't go in. And with the guys collapsing on him, he thought maybe Purdue would get a putback or something like that. That didn't happen. Texas gets the rebound, and, and they have to foul again. And then Purdue goes for a Hail Mary desperation-type play that uh, did not work. Well, I mean, it's, it, you can't sit here and say in November that this is a crushing loss or a bad loss. We won't know until Purdue you, lost to Texas last year, if people forget. They did, but when you're at home, you have a five-point lead with two and a half to three minutes to go. That's a game, I guess, regardless of the experience that's on the floor, that you feel like Purdue should – close out am i am i am i am i wrong in this no assessment you you got the sense and when i was writing i had a whole ready to publish online as soon as the game ended three reasons why purdue beat texas and very quickly i had to put together three reasons why purdue did not beat texas um i kind of was taking notes throughout the game so it wasn't like i just made something up on the fly but uh but you did but yes but (laughs) sort of did uh you felt like Purdue was going to win that game. The second half was a bunch of runs back and forth. I think Texas had a huge run, a 13-2 run uh, to take the lead there, and then Purdue took the lead back, and then Texas came back, and it was just Texas made the run last. And uh, unfortunately, Purdue didn't uh, didn't capitalize on offensive possessions and allowed Texas to come back there. Um, you know, the first half, Purdue's leading at the half, even though Texas shot 54%, because Purdue created a lot of turnovers. Purdue did not create turnovers in the second half, and Texas was able to uh, to go on those runs. Um, how much did uh, Texas's length kind of bother Purdue on the offensive end, or did it? Well, that's something that uh, was talked about. It's not just that they they have length; it's that they're quick. You know, it's it's one thing to be 
long and stand in the lane and just be a tree. It's another thing to be very athletic and mobile and able to do things. And I think that was a factor. They got uh, they got Matt Harms in some foul trouble early. Uh, Travion Williams played a lot. He he was good, but he played uh, quite a bit there. And uh, you know, just I think it was tough for Purdue, and especially late. We saw it. they they go to the basket and they're not clean looks, even though they may have beaten their man off the dribble. They're getting in there, and um, guys are there to, to kind of pick up uh, the open space and, and swat shots away or force you to have to kind of throw it up hard and maybe draw a foul and, and hope a prayer shot goes in. And I think that, uh, you know, all things told, probably was good for Purdue to see a team like that because they're going to see a lot of a lot of different teams here coming up in this stretch uh, in the non-conference schedule that it, they're going to – things that are going to challenge Purdue. Yeah, Harms only played 22 minutes, uh, nine points, only two rebounds and four turnovers. That's not a good line for him. Uh, I feel like he has to average 15 to 17 points a game uh, for this team and you know cut down on the turnovers and also be on the floor probably for 30 minutes. He had three offensive fouls also. Yeah. The moving screen at the end, and then uh, he had two offensive fouls in the first half that put him on the bench. You know, Travion Williams played eight, almost 18 minutes, nine points, eight rebounds, which are good numbers for him uh, when, you, when you get down to it. So... Uh, and he had a couple of turnovers, uh, and he was uh, well. He was plus four on the plus minus, so they did some good things with with him in the game. He, he and Sasha off the bench, I thought, were a big help, and the reason why Purdue probably should have won this game. Well, we're going to talk about Sasha because he was questionable coming in, uh, but did do enough uh, in practice on Friday and during the shoot around Saturday to get in the game. And it appeared that he came in guns blazing and started just knocking down threes yeah uh in the pregame warm-ups he he dunked and i thought that was probably <laughs> a good sign that he felt like he he had dusted his ankle and and could do some things and, and his foot his foot didn't collapse when he came down right and he he came in the game after the first media timeouts and immediately the first possession they had comes off i think he came off a screen but he, he caught the ball at the top of the key and fired immediately as shooters do and it goes in second time down he Fires a shot and hits the back of the rim. I think this is the second shot he took. Mm-hmm. Hits the back of the rim, goes up in the air, comes down and hits the front of the rim and falls in. And from there, I think his confidence was kind of soaring a little bit. He hit four threes in a five-and-a-half-minute stretch. Uh, so Purdue goes from down 10-3 to after his fourth three, they're leading 20-19. to 19. Uh, He was a big boost there and then ended up uh, you know, missing a couple threes, but obviously played pretty well. He had, a, I think, three steals for the game too. So uh, for a guy that they didn't know – Thursday if he was going to play or even Friday if he was going to play he came in and was a big boost and I think as a guy that's going to be huge for them this year um, you know you think of these guys that are you know Dakota Mathias and Ryan Klein guys that can stretch the floor in recent years he's got to be that guy this year I'll be curious now if he gets back in the starting lineup because he was scheduled to start uh, the opener against Green Bay but came up with the foot issue in practice uh, and I assume just bringing him off the bench on Saturday was was the plan. But now as, the, now as they go to Marquette, I'm curious if he gets in the starting lineup. Not that he needs to be in there, but he is. Uh, he does have some experience uh, from last year. I guess uh, the other question from this game, and just looking at the play-by-play sheet, Proctor was not in the game at the end. He he came uh, he came out with six minutes to go, six thirteen, and then come back in until 121 and that during that gap is when texas made its run uh what i guess what difference did you see you know granted we've seen proctor play one game one real game right uh but was 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 there a difference with him not on the floor as far as 
the flow of the offense or someone trying to look for their shot or trying to, you know, as, as you talked about earlier, trying to, to be that go-to player. Uh, I don't really, I, nobody even asked that in the, the post game actually. And Jihad was, was one of the players, one of the three players uh, picked to come in there. He didn't say a whole lot. Um, you know, especially when you ask, uh, ask the guys about the mental breakdowns late and dropping the ball out. And he just kind of would uh, defer to Eric Hunter on, on the questions and, and let him answer those. Um, he did answer one question about that was probably asked at the, the first game uh, just about his confidence and being able to play at this level. And he said, I feel like I should have been playing at this level all along. Um, but as far as I, I don't know what changed, he did. Uh, he scored some points in the lane, um, did a couple of good things in the second half. Uh, I think he's going to be maybe that guy that develops into your um, guy that you're going to get probably 15 a night from um, at least. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be like the, the game changer that is going to put you over the hump maybe every night, but he's definitely a scorer. And, um, you know, I still think he probably ended up in the, in the minus category in the plus minus um, because he was in there for, for those Texas runs there in the second half and also started the game when Texas got off to a, a really good start. He may, have, he may have been in there, or he may have got taken out maybe uh, for defensive reasons as well. But, uh, I mean, I think he's a guy that can be that scorer, can be that guy that goes, hunt, goes, goes down in the lane and hunts his shot and tries to get to the free throw line or just tries to, tries right. to make something happen there. And it just kind of surprised me a little bit that he was not in the game uh, during that during that stretch, and he didn't come back in until I think Texas had taken the lead. Yeah, and uh, something else that you I mean you factor in the scoring. Nojel Eastern did did drive to the basket and, and take a shot late, but he really struggled. And I don't know if his hand is still bothering him or if the foot issue is still there lingering. But um, they need him because he handles the ball, um, and he's he's long. He, he can do a lot of different things. But if he's going to shoot three of ten, that's you know that's that's a struggle, right? Uh, other 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 than the three and ten shooting, um, when you look at his numbers, six yes, he, points. He probably needs to have more points than six. He was he was probably their best, uh, most aggressive at, at getting rebounds. I would say, right? And he had seven rebounds, which uh, was uh, one short of uh, Travion's eight. But he also had six assists. Uh, so he, I mean, his his game wasn't from a number standpoint wasn't bad. It's just the three of ten. And he's he's not shoot he's not sitting there taking uh, three pointers. No, these were shots that were close <laughs> to the baskets, and they're shots that normally would go in for him. Or you know, leaners in the lane with one hand, and um, uh, he missed a couple bunnies, which uh, Coach Painter referenced in the post game that those shots have to go in. Right, um, and it's a long season, and the shots that don't go in in November sometimes go in in February when you're in that situation, and you just you can't get too caught up in it. Uh, but uh, from a big picture standpoint, now that they go to Marquette on Wednesday, and Marquette's just played one game, they have a fabulous player in Marcus uh, Howard who became the school's all-time leading scorer yeah. in their first game uh, about a week ago. Uh, so they got that out of the way, but still, Purdue has to defend this guy and defend Marquette on it on its own floor. But just uh, when you look at you know, I kind of look at this two-game stretch as you know they need to get one of them. Because just from an NCAA tournament standpoint, just from a having a win on this, you know, on your resume type of standpoint, you know, you, you wanted to get the one at Texas just because it was home. But now you're kind of forced to to go win at Marquette. And I'm just, I mean, are you are you curious like me? Okay, how does this team now perform on the road? And while they have some familiar faces, but guys like Aaron Wheeler and Eric Hunter 
And, you know, Trevion Williams and Sasha, they played last year on the road and did well, but they were surrounded by Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein. Now, how do these guys react by playing 20 minutes right. on the road in a, in a tough environment against a Big East team? Yeah, I, I think the Texas game was definitely a learning experience, but it's, it's still a game that the team should have won, that it had control of, you know, the, the game was in their hands and they literally let it slip through their hands. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you want to see how they, they bounce back from that. Uh, the schedule is, is pretty tough in the non-conference, especially when you talk about a lot of these guys are getting extended minutes for the first time. You know, Sasha's a guy that didn't play that many minutes last year when he got in. It was, it was kind of just uh, spot duty um, coming in off the bench. And now he's going to be a starter. He's going to be, you know, a six-man boost guy off the bench. Um, I think that they're going to have they're going to learn a lot about themselves during this stretch where they play Marquette, and then you got a couple games that there should be wins um, on Saturday, and then the following Saturday, um, and maybe you find out about yourself there. But when you go to the tournament in Florida, when you play Butler, I mean, these are teams that will expose you, um, and you've got to figure out where you messed up the other night, clean that up, and um, kind of you know you don't have a whole lot of leeway to uh, keep screwing up and, and saying like, hey, this was a learning experience. You hope. Yeah, there's only so many learning experiences you can have before you have to learn or you're not going to learn and you're, this, is the, this is the team you're, you're going to be. And you referenced the tournament in Florida. They'll open with VCU uh, the day after Thanksgiving and then they'll either play uh, Florida State, which beat Florida over the weekend, upset Florida, or they'll play Tennessee. So you, they're going to get two really good opponents in Florida, and then you're coming back and you're playing Virginia at home, uh, and then you got a couple Big Ten games. And for Purdue, the good news is they're playing Northwestern and Nebraska, which probably are the two worst teams in the Big Ten right now. Uh, Northwestern lost to some school I'd never heard of on, I think, Friday night. Merrimack, I believe, uh, which then trickled into their football game on Saturday. <laughs> they lost to Well, the football season trickled into the basketball game. And I don't believe, I think Nebraska is now 0 and 2 to start the basketball season. So, I mean, everyone expected Nebraska basketball not to be very good this year. And I think they're, they're living up to their <laughs> expectations. And Northwestern the same way. So, Purdue's going to have an opportunity in December when they open the Big Ten season. But as you mentioned, Butler's still there. They've got a couple other non conference games. But they, they, I, they can't go – I don't think they can go through the non-conference season without getting a kind of a marquee win, right. uh, you know. So that, that makes Wednesday's game at Marquette important from that standpoint. It won't be the last opportunity. But if you don't get one in the non-conference, then you're forced to do a little bit more in the conference season. And if you're having trouble in the non-conference, then you're really – you're probably going to have some struggles uh, in the in the Big Ten as well. So, you know, they've got they've got to – you know, try to go up there Wednesday and get a win, cut down on some of the mistakes. But, you know, I don't know that, that's going to be a tough place to play for them. Yeah, I think like Wednesday has to be a win. And then the two Saturday games that follow, Chicago State and, and Jacksonville State, they've got to build some depth. They played nine guys in the first ten minutes the other night, but really stuck with seven guys throughout the course of that game. Um, you know, if injuries become an issue and things like that, uh, you can't rely on a seven-man rotation. I think they tried to interject Isaiah Thompson a little bit early, but I mean the kid just uh, he hasn't hit a shot yet, and uh, he was pulled pretty quickly. I think he was in there a minute and a half or so. Um, One minute and fifty seconds, according to the box yeah. score. So you've burned a a red shirt on this kid who so far has not played a whole lot, and when he did, he 
he was missing shots. So, but I'll say this about the depth: this is what Matt Painter has decided to do. Yes, I mean he's 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 want he wants to redshirt Mason Gillis and Brandon Newman, and basically this is going to be uh, what you saw on Saturday is the team you're going to see, and with the bench, he's probably only going to go nine deep at at most. And when you look at this, seven guys played uh, what. 15 minutes or more, 17 minutes or more. And Boudreaux only played about six. Isaiah Thompson played two. Um, Travion Williams played 18, which is high for him. He's got to increase that. But you're going to lean on Wheeler and Harms and Hunter and Proctor and Eastern a lot in this season because of, of – now, we don't know if the decision to redshirt these two guys, what it's going to mean. But, you know, obviously it's worked well before with Painter. So you just kind of put the trust there and say, okay, he's going to do it. Uh, but it does it does leave it does leave open the lack of depth when you when you get in foul trouble or if you do have another if you do have an injury at some point where someone misses some time. Yeah, um, I think the decision to redshirt Gillis was one we probably all expected was going to happen. Uh, Brandon Newman is a guy that when he was recruited, people were very excited about. He was going to come here and help right away, and I, I know that that painter talks to these guys and you know they talk about it and say is this the best decision and the guys kind of come up with the solution maybe they get pushed that way or, or kind of told what their role is going to be and then decide whether or not they want to do it but that's one that you know may i think he really when you look at the guys that they've not redshirted in the past is why he's been redshirting you know sasha stefanovich is he would be a junior right now if he didn't redshirt and now you've got three years of him uh, i think that Painter thinks long-term, but sometimes that can hurt you in the short-term because right now he's a guy that would, would probably definitely help this team. Well, I, 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 the, the question comes into play is, like, can Brandon, will Brandon Newman be the difference between – can Brandon Newman help you win a Big Ten championship? That's To me, that's the question this year, right now. Yeah. Or is he going to help you win one or two Big Ten ch- championships by the time his career is over? Yeah. Same, same with Gillis. And with Gillis, there's there's kind of a log jam at his position. Yeah, and so he's he, been hurt. Yeah, so. he's, he's not going to get a lot of minutes this year. So his his was a natural. Newman is probably a little bit of a surprise because he could probably work his way into some some of the rotations, but you don't know how many minutes that's gonna that's gonna bring him. And I I just wrote a story that's on our website jconline.com just how that uh, that maybe college basketball needs to adopt the the football redshirt rule or at least have something similar right. where uh if you look at the football redshirt rule it's uh 33 of the games where you could play which is four games you could play up you know, play four games and still retain your and that's your, at any point during the season yeah it's in a, at any time but one snap equals one game right in basketball you can't play in any game and if you do you you lose your redshirt opportunity unless there's some sort of injury down the line uh, that would uh, require, and then still you have there's there's still a percentage of games. So, you know, ten games of a thirty game season is thirty. You know, it's right thirty three percent. So, is it ten games of a thirty game season? Is it something lower? Is it non conference games only? You know, uh, you know, Matt Painter did say it, it. It's been discussed. You know, coaches have talked about it. Uh, it would seem just it just seems like a natural thing to do and the right thing to do. That way, you can put Newman out there and kind of let him. You know, get an idea whether he can he can fit in this year and play and contribute. Same with Gillis. 
just give them a little taste of it uh, and just kind of see and kind of get their feet wet a little bit and see if they're if they're capable of helping you and that you may you may discover they can or you may discover that they they need to sit out yeah and going off script a little bit I know with um, with volleyball Dave Shondell is they can they can play players and then still decide to redshirt them if they don't play a certain number of matches and he's used their early season non-conference matches in the past to kind of decide is this a player that can help us this year and you know you kind of get a feel when you're going up against opponents you should beat and you can get them in and and see how they adapt to college volleyball and you know sometimes it's been like hey we can't redshirt this player because we need her sometimes it's like you're going to be better off down the road helping us we're going to have you sit out this year so i I don't know what basketball's holdup is why that hasn't been something that they've done yeah i did i didn't know that was a you could play so many games in volleyball and still redshirt i didn't i had no idea you could do that i just thought most most places most sports if you play unless there's an injury you can't uh you know, you, you can't redshirt. So you learn something new every single day. But the, the thing with Painter is that the, the the players have to agree to do it. If if Brandon Newman or Mason Gill said, oh, no, I don't want a redshirt, then they wouldn't redshirt. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of how he operates. And after the Green Bay game, he brought up the Ryan Klein example that probably should have redshirted him. So if you had Ryan Klein on this year's team, you're, you're closer to a Big Ten. You're, you're closer to competing, like, at the top of the league with – with Maryland and Michigan State for, for potentially, you know, getting a piece of a championship as opposed to now where you're, you're, you're farther behind in part because Michigan State, Maryland are really good. Yes. I mean, they, <laughs> they have assembled uh, a lot of uh, really good talent. Uh, so they're going to be the two front runners out there, but you know, I still think Purdue's got a solid team and it's just going to take a little bit for them to, uh, to get together, but they, they've got, they've got to stay healthy and they've got to have some guys really produce in the minutes that the, that they're going to play. But it's a long season, and I know how fans love to overreact to losses in November. That uh, when you look back in February, it's like, oh, why? Why did I overreact to that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and I asked uh, Texas coach Shaka Smart after the game because he beat Purdue this year. He beat them last year, and uh, Purdue pan- fans probably hope to forget about the VCU game in the NCAA <laughs> tournament when. Etwan Moore and Jawan Johnson were seniors, but I said, what is the key to beating a team like Purdue's where you've had success doing it? And he kind of, you know, he didn't really answer my question. He just said, (laughs) every team is different. And, you know, last year we didn't do a good job because Carson Edwards scored 40 against us. Well, last year you still won the game. So you let one guy go off and and nobody else really helped him. Um, This year, I think that Texas did a good job overall, not letting any guy really get going other than Sasha early, but you know, probably was a guy that they didn't do a whole lot with because they were unsure if he was even going to play that game. Right. All right. Uh, switch gears to football a little bit. They have their second off week uh, this week. Uh, this was a year, a calendar year that uh, teams had two open weeks, and uh, Purdue Purdue gets their second one right now before going into to Wisconsin. They are still bowl eligible, so. They get to practice this week. They're one miracle <laughs> win away from that bucket game, meaning a whole lot more. Or you could have you could turn it around and say, "My God, if they hadn't blown the lead at Nevada, they would still they would be one game away from being bowl eligible." And the Wisconsin game would not be taking on the importance that that it that it that it does for Purdue standpoint. Uh, then you would go into the bucket game with a chance to to get bowl eligible, but. 
you know, winning two in a row now, it just, it makes them feel good. You're giving a lot of young players a chance to play and contribute. So they've got two weeks to kind of enjoy the little limelight that they're in with still bowl eligibility. But, you know, they've, they've got a monumental task of trying to beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And Purdue's had a lot better teams go up there and lose. Yes. Uh, Wisconsin is far better than Northwestern. Um and the environment is going to be Nebraska. Yes. <laughs> and the environment is going to be much different than Northwestern. Uh, you know, that's a very difficult place to play, as you mentioned, for anybody at any season, let alone uh, against a Wisconsin team that probably feels, you know, we shouldn't have a loss that we have right now and uh, now has to do everything they can to, to have a chance to be in that Big Ten championship game. Well, yeah, I guess the only saving grace for Purdue is like if somehow Nebraska would beat Wisconsin this week. Minnesota beats Iowa. Minnesota wins the West. It's over. Yes. And that way you don't – Wisconsin does not have the motivation to keep playing, like, hard because they can't get to the Big Ten championship game. Not that they're going to go out there and lollygag, but players are players, and sometimes they lose interest. Sometimes they lose focus. If you don't have, if you don't have anything to play for that day other than senior day, you know, maybe, maybe Purdue could – sneak up and surprise them well i don't think so i've but, seen weirder man. things happen I, <laughs> yes <laughs> you guys sent me into the ohio state locker room the day that ryan kerrigan single-handedly beat ohio state and killed their national championship hopes so. well it might uh might take george Koloftis doing uh doing the same thing as far as bringing down jonathan taylor in the backfield like 20 times think he could do that uh <laughs> George can do a lot. Uh, getting past the Wisconsin offensive line is a, a tough challenge for anybody. Right. But anyway, Purdue's going to have, you know, the other the other part of this too is the, the, the week may give Purdue a chance to get a few players back or at least heal up some of the players that have been, been nicked up in the words of Jeff Brom. Uh, you know, the biggest question is, does Rondell Moore get back? And I, and I think we're at a point now where I don't know, is there an upside to playing Rondell Moore? in the last two games. I was going to ask you this earlier and I forgot if they were to beat Wisconsin and Rondale hasn't played yet. And now you need to beat IU to get to a bowl game. Do we see Rondale because that game now has much more importance on it? Well, uh, based on what Jeff has said, and if with Jeff, you have to read kind of between the lines and around what he says that this is probably a Rondale decision. Uh, you know, you know, I, I can't, I can't sit here and tell you that, it, whether the the medical people have cleared Rondell to play because we don't see him at practice, we don't see him doing anything. Um, but it, it probably comes down to Rondell saying yes or no, I'm going to play. Uh, but again, is it worth him playing these last two games? I mean, is what does it what does Purdue gain out of it? What does Rondell more gain out of potentially playing in these last two games other than to get more catches and more yards? Um, he would definitely help. He would help the team. Uh, and it would help me say, okay, David Bell and Rondell Moore get a play together finally. I think let's see what, let's see what we got. Well, the good thing that happened out of Rondell's injury is that David Bell has now emerged as not only you know the best offensive weapon on Purdue's team, but he's become one of the best receivers in the Big Ten, and uh, he's a freshman. So he uh, Saturday he I felt like they threw him the ball every single time. Uh and they kind of you were Aiden O'Connell who would you throw to <laughs> fair enough uh, but you start to wonder when you get him and Rondell maybe stacked up on the same side or on opposite sides 
there's a lot of field there that uh, you got to defend because those two guys are, are beating people one on one. They're beating zones. They're whatever you throw at them. They're they're able to beat it. And right now, it's uh, you know not to take anything away from Ahmad Anderson or you know Milton Ryder, those guys, but uh, Rondell Moore is an All American as a freshman last year and um, has had several games where he's just dominated against top level competition. Well, and Milton Wright and Ahmad Anderson benefit from having uh, more and bell on the same side because you can you, you know if you're going to double team anybody it's probably going to be rondell then the next person you would double team if not rondell would be david bell so milton wright and Amon anderson are like third and fourth on the list of the people that you would would double team that's going to leave them in more uh one-on-one coverages uh and stuff like that so yeah i mean i i, I doubt we'll get an answer this week whether rondell would be available for wisconsin if i have to wait till monday a uh, week from week from today is when we're recording this. Whether uh, he'll get back, but uh, uh, so what? What has been your impressions of Aiden O'Connell in these last game and a drive? Because <laughs> he, he hasn't played two full games right. yet. Uh, I mean, he's found ways to win. Um, he was very clutch down the stretch. Uh, he made some mistakes, obviously, in that Northwestern game. That uh, I'm sure. People thought that was going to be what cost them the game, but uh, drove down the field. And, you know, whether you um, like the decision to run the ball there at the end and then take your chance on a field goal or not, doesn't matter now because the field goal was good. But, um, you know, they've kind of kept him, I think, limited in what they're doing with him right now. And, you know, probably some of that is what his skill set is. But uh, at some point, you have to open up the playbook for a guy. And, you're probably going to get that with a bye week and then a, a big game coming up. I'm sure they'll have some things that uh, that they're allowing him to do. That's going to be the first, you know, real chance he's had. Really, one week of practicing as the number one quarterback for this team. So, I think the open week really comes at a good time for him. Yes, and I mean he was really emotional after the game, uh, being so close to his hometown where he grew up, preparing all week to be the starter. I mean the week before. They prepare to be the starter, but they never really think they're going to play. Right. I mean, and, but now you had the emotional weight of preparing all week. This is his team. This is his offense now. Just, you know, doing all that, doing all those things every day in practice. You're the number one guy. You're, you're talking to the media about it. You're talking about your story. Um, meanwhile, you're trying to keep up your academics. You're trying to take those tests. You're trying to. Uh, know what you're supposed to be looking for in the game, and it just—I I think after the game, it just kind of—it just kind of all hit him what happened, and everything that went into that game, and relying on a, a field goal into the win at the at the very end, and you know, I felt like he did everything that he could to put them in a position to win the game, and I and I don't disagree with the fact that Jeff Rom trusted Dellinger's leg over O'Connell's arm right. in that situation. I, I don't think that that was a bad decision. I, I think the, the the pass interference got him right there to a point. You're probably – Dellinger said he hit from 47 in pregame. So you, you're still in that window. You're still in that comfortable window. You, you'd like to get – you always like to get closer. I mean, there, there's no question about that. But um, he, he just he – just, I, I don't believe Jeff Brown wanted to put this on O'Connell's arm to try to get closer and then you have a mistake, uh, uh, an interception or just, just something, something bad happens. And I don't think Jeff Brown was being Matt Nagy 
uh, you know, in, in his approach, he just, he's picking the leg of, of a guy that's having a really good year in J.D. Dellinger uh, to win the game, and it, and, it, and it worked out. I mean, I'm sure if, it, if he would have missed the field goal, yes, we would ask questions, why didn't you try to get closer, so on and so forth. And, you know, I think he just would have said, well, that's, you know, we're in range. We're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go forward right here. Yeah, uh, I'm, O'Connell. If you look back, uh, maybe like a month now or three weeks, he was listed as the or on the depth chart, and everybody there was an uproar about, <laughs> you know, he's not really gonna play, is he? And then take it to the Nebraska game, and he's in the post game media meeting, and he's surrounded by reporters, and he's probably hasn't had time to process everything that just happened. But you're right. Then he had kind of time to reflect on it and time to kind of go through a week of you get all the reps. Um, you know, you're not sitting on the sideline watching a trick play and taking the mental rep in your head. Uh, I think that uh, because he won that game in his hometown and all that, that storyline, it was a big deal to him. But, you know, now that's beyond him. Now, now it's time to be like, hey, you're the guy. We're going to Wisconsin. There's no, you know, you've had plenty of time to be the quarterback and uh, it's on you now. We're we're going to need you to beat teams. What well, as Jeff Brown has said all year, they, they they need other people to play well around him. They they need other people to play well around Jack Plummer as well. Yes. And they, now they really need guys like David Bell and Bryson Hopkins and Milton Wright and Ahmad Anderson. And, and that offensive line, which since the change after the Penn State game, has held up well. I mean, I, I know they've given up some sacks and stuff and – but they they've they've held up well since that, that that what happened against Penn State. So they have some things going for them on offense right now. Defensively, um, I just it shook my head the first two series at that Northwestern, which couldn't score, um, <laughs> couldn't score, couldn't score at a high school prom. You know, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, is uh, uh, you know marching down the field in, in two two series, and they're they're up fourteen nothing, and it's just. You're just bewildered by what yeah, by what you they had saw. Sixteen there. points in the previous four games combined. Yeah, and they have fourteen and two drives. Yeah, it was just. But you know, eventually, I think you know, two things happened. Purdue played a little bit better defensively, but Northwestern became who they who they are, <laughs> and that and that's a team that is just struggling on offense, uh, big time. Yeah, and you know, coaches prepare, and and Coach Fitzgerald is is obviously disappointed in how the offense has played this year. I'm sure that they drew up some things that they're like, these are going to work against Purdue. Well, that's good when you're playing a team and, you know, those work early. But over the course of four quarters, it's a long game and teams adjust. And it all depends on kind of the chess match and how you adapt to it. And I think that Purdue probably made some adjustments. And like you said, Northwestern uh, fell back into like, okay, now that doesn't work. <laughs> now no, we've got to make something happen. This is who this is who we are. Yeah, <laughs> we know who we are, and we can't we can't move the ball very much. And they, they have problems at quarterback and stuff like that. So I think they get uh, UMass this week, a non conference game. They must think they're in the SEC to play non conference uh, teams in November. Uh, I hope I hope hope this is not a Big Ten trend. I, I don't I don't like this at all. I'd rather, and you know maybe the the two open weeks have, have caused this kind of scheduling. Uh, thing, but I, I don't like the fact that uh, Big Ten teams are now playing non-conference games in November. Yeah, uh, you would not want to cover the Purdue Nevada game this week. Although Purdue probably would like to rather play it <laughs> this like, week. They'd like to. Uh, they'd, they'd like, like to have get another shot. But now that one you can't have back, and it's prob- to me that's going to be the difference between them getting to a bowl game or not. I'm not saying they're going to beat Indiana right now, but. Uh, Indiana looks pretty good. Indiana does look good, and um, they're, they're playing for good bowl position. I think they'll get a good bowl game 
uh, out of their season. They've got uh, Penn State this week, Michigan the next week. That's two tough games, and then they f- they'll, f- they'll finish it uh, here at Purdue right around Thanksgiving. Well, that's going to do it uh, for this edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or just want to yell at us for any other reason, you can reach us uh, uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, I'm at Carmen underscore JC. Sam, what's your Twitter handle? At Samuel T. King. Right. Saw today on Twitter that you'll be singing somewhere at a pizza place. Yeah, there's apparently a musician in Indianapolis (laughs) who does a lot of bars and things like that, and his name is Sam King, and I've been in Indianapolis before and been mistaken for this guy. So, Do you guys um, look alike? I have no idea what he looks like. Um, I'm sure that uh, he's probably more popular than I am there. No, no, not after this. (laughs) He won't be. He's singing at a... He hasn't been on this podcast. Well, maybe we can maybe get him on maybe that. you and you and Sam King should do a podcast together. I'm going to have to look and see if he's on the Twitter machine. Well, I'm sure he is. Who's not on the Twitter machine? Well, there's there are certain people. Matt Painter's on the Twitter machine, but not really on the Twitter machine. Well, he's there. He's got yeah, an account. Probably the same with Jeff Brom. I think I think a lot of people are there, but not there. But oh, Brady Brom, he's on the Twitter <laughs> machine, and he should be. And I want to thank Brady Brom for uh, approving my credential for the CC game on Friday night because I I. Texted Tim Bourdain uh, today, told him I was coming to the game, wanted to request a credential, but you'd have to check with Brady to make sure that I, I could I could come to the game because Brady's a student at CC. and um, So I got I got a text back, says I, I'm okay. I'm all good. So And Brady said I could come. So we're, all, we're fine with that. Hopefully they have a pork burger for you as well. <laughs> well, they'll have, they'll have something. At least they'll have a seat in the press box. <laughs> Didn't have one last Friday. It's an upgrade. Which it wasn't as cold as I thought. Really, I mean, it was cold, but it wasn't like bone-chilling, numb cold type of thing. Right. I wore a jacket, and I didn't, don't even think I wore it down on the field for the, the post game. But well, if I was on the you, field the whole game. You were nice yeah. and toasty in the Harrison press yeah, box, right? Yeah, chili in the crock pot. And, well, what are, they, what are they going to have this week then? I'm not sure yet. I'll have to find out. But and so. Harrison's playing Fort Wayne Dwinger? Yes. Okay. Central Catholic's playing North Judson. Correct. So we'll, we'll, have, we'll have all that covered for you Friday night. As our as our two man staff continues to, uh, the, the to, bye week comes at a good week for us too. <laughs> yes, yeah, it it does help. But uh, anyway, uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, if, if you don't know how. Then that's on you because you're listening to it right now. So somehow you did uh, subscribe to it. But yeah, if you have uh, questions, comments, or want to yell at us for something, feel free to to look us up and and do that. And uh, we may uh, we may read those back if they're not too too bad. But anyway, uh, we got bas- uh, Purdue basketball on Wednesday night at Marquette. Uh, probably follow up with a podcast after that game. And then uh, basketball team back in action on Saturday uh, against uh, Chicago State. That's an afternoon game. Anyway, thanks for listening and uh, uh, have a good day.